like this. Today, we're starting a series called In Between. In Between. And kind of the tagline is waiting on God for a breakthrough. Waiting on God for a breakthrough. We go through seasons in life where we're waiting for something to happen. We recognize that we don't have control over every aspect of our life. We don't get to make the things happen we want to happen all the time. And so we find ourselves in an uncomfortable position. Okay, and this happens throughout our lives. It kind of repeats, it goes over and over, but we find ourselves in a season where we just feel like we're waiting and we're praying and we're going, man, something needs to happen. I can see it, I can feel it, I know that it's out there, but it just won't happen. I can't see that breakthrough happen. And so we pray and we trust God and we wait But what my encouragement to you is as we go through this series, there's things that God wants to do in us during those seasons. They are some of the most important times in our lives because God's working on us, because they're difficult, because they're hard. You guys know, you've heard this, that you grow more through failure and difficulty than you do through success and winning. Growth happens in us as we struggle. Uh, We're going to look over the next four weeks at three different characters in the Bible, look at their stories and how they navigated a season of in-between, a season of waiting, a season of struggling. Today we're going to look at suffering. We're going to look at the book of Job, and we're going to study from Job how he navigated a season of suffering and pain. Uh, Next week we're going to look at King David. He was waiting on uh, advancement. He was crowned. He was... uh, uh, anointed with oil by Samuel to be the king of Israel, but it took seven years before he actually became the king. And he went through a season of struggle to get there. We're going to look at that. Uh, The following week, we're going to look at the um, prodigal son. And we're going to study how uh, often many of us are waiting for somebody to come back to Jesus, to come to Jesus, someone we love, we're praying for, and yet there's there's a way to navigate that season, right? There's things that God has for us. And then lastly, we're going to look at the story of Joseph uh, and waiting on a dream to come true. So I'm I'm prayerfully uh, hopeful that this series will encourage you, that it'll be uh, uplifting, that you'll discover that there is a purpose behind a season of waiting, that in-between time is a time where God is doing stuff in us. And so uh, that's what we're going to be looking, looking at. You know, the word breakthrough is a military term. It has to do with military uh, battle. That's, that's how it's been used historically. The idea of breaking through uh, the walls, breaking through the enemy lines, and gaining a victory. And I want to encourage you that God has victory for you. He did not bring you uh, to himself. He does not put you on this planet to walk in failure. Right? That's not how uh, he's intended this life to go. He has designed for you, his desire for you, is to walk in victory. And that's in each and every area of your life. And so I want to encourage you, give you hope that though you're in a season of struggle, as many of us are, though we're in a season of waiting, a season of uh, praying and, and pain oftentimes, that there is a breakthrough coming, that God does have victory for you. But I want to make sure that you navigate the season to the max, that you maximize the season that you're in, that you learn and grow during that season. And that's what the intention of it is. Job chapter 1, verse 8, kind of our key verse for the day says this, Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. 
Breakthrough involves brokenness. In order to see breakthrough occur in our lives, in order to get through the enemy lines and get to a place of victory, there's something that needs to happen in us. And it revolves around the idea of brokenness. It's required for breakthrough. There's work that needs to be done in your life. There's work that God wants to do in my life. And season of struggle, seasons of wrestling, seasons of waiting are these seasons where this growth and development can happen. The truth is that we all will have suffered and will suffer in this life. It is a reality of this human existence. If we look in the scriptures and if you believe what the Bible teaches, which I do, the explanation for that is clear. God created Adam and Eve, the first two humans. He created them perfectly. They did not have a flaw. They did not experience pain and suffering. He put them in a garden which was perfect. In order to eat, all they had to do was walk out in the garden, pick some fruit off a tree. Uh, It was easy. They didn't have to labor. They didn't have to struggle. And everything was amazing. Everything tasted the best that it could taste. It was perfect. This is the environment that God made for human beings. This is where he placed them. This was his desire for them. But he gave them a choice. The reason he gave them a choice is because he did not create, nor did he want to create, robotic creatures, which just dutifully followed and aligned with him and unified themselves with him. He wanted to create beings that reflected him. The Bible says we're made in the image of God. And so God made humans, us, with a will. And he tested that will. It had to be tested, okay? Um, Adam and Eve are known, they lived during the age of innocence. They were innocent, but testing was required to ensure that character would be developed. And so Adam and Eve were given a choice. Some people think it's, uh, wow, how mean-spirited of God. You know, he, he set them up for failure. No, he did not. He gave them a choice, and they had an option. <laughs> I believe it was a real choice, okay? But he said to them, Uh, You can eat from any tree in this garden. You can enjoy this environment. Do anything you want. Have fun. uh, Live it up. It's for you. The one thing you can't do, giving you one rule, one restriction, do not eat from the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you're going to die. And as you know, if you know the story, Satan came and tempted Eve and said, listen, what God said isn't really true. You're not really going to die. He knows that you're really just going to gain all this knowledge and you're going to become more like God. He's just trying to keep you from some good things. Does that sound familiar? You probably heard that in your life. God's trying to keep you from the good. (laughs) He wants you not to have fun. The real enjoyment out there is found away from God. If you follow God, then you don't get to do anything fun. Listen, that's an old, old lie. It's as old as the human race. And it is a lie. What God has for you is the best. What he has for you is what's good for you. It's what's going to make you enjoy life and experience the best of this life. So the enemy came. The devil came and tricked Adam and Eve, and they did fall for it. They had a choice, right? They could have said, no, you're lying. We don't believe you. We're going to trust God, our creator. But they didn't. They chose to be disobedient, to step out of unity with God into a place of independence, rebellion, doing what they wanted. So this brought a curse on the earth. God said to Adam, because you sinned, because you chose to disobey me, step out of unity with me. Here's what's going to happen. 
You're going to struggle to provide. You're going to fight to provide. And though we keep trying to fix that problem as a human race, you know, even though we now have Roundup, weeds still grow. Right? Can I get an amen? Weeds still grow. We, we haven't solved it. As soon as that works a little bit, there's another problem it creates, and we're constantly trying to solve the problem. Weeds grow. It's through struggle that we try to bring a crop about. And if it's not weeds, it's hail. And if it's not hail, it's too much rain. And if it's not too much rain, it's not enough rain. And we're constantly struggling to produce and provide. And whether you're in agriculture or not, you know that it's a struggle. And that's what happened. God said, Adam, this is what you're going to have to deal with now because you disobeyed me. And he said to Eve, Eve, you're going to, it is through pain that you're going to bring children into this earth. I mentioned that at a wedding not long ago, and I got a big amen, and somebody, somebody had experienced that, evidently. <laughs> they said, yeah. So what God said here in the Bible, it's true. Yeah, we can testify to that. Women say, yeah, it hurts. Uh, it's hard. We got epidurals. You know, we keep trying to get rid of the pain. Guess what? Still hard. Still struggle. My daughter-in-law just brought a baby into the earth, right? And, uh, and even though there's some help with that pain, it still was a struggle. It's labor. And it's difficult. And he said, listen, in your marriage, Eve, uh, you were, I created you and Adam to work in perfect harmony, in unity, to be equal. This is my intention. There's order, okay? But, but there was an equality and a harmony and a unity. And, and God said, now, Eve, you're going to be subject to your husband's rule. And you're going to want to uh, be superior to him. So God said, now there's going to be a power struggle in your marriage, in your relationship. And, and uh, you know, if you were honest, if you've been married two weeks, you'd probably agree with me. There's a power struggle. My marriage is perfect. Of course, there's no power struggle there, but <clears throat> that's because uh, the rancher that I worked for before I got married taught me a very important skill to have, to have a successful marriage. And he said, if you want to have a successful marriage, you just need to learn two words. You need to say these words consistently. Even if you don't believe it, even if you're not sure, just say these words. They'll work every time. Somebody said it. What are they? Yes, dear. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> he was right. Hey, listen. <clears throat> we, we live under a curse. We experience pain and suffering. It's been brought to the earth through the sin of Adam and Eve, but also through each and every one of us and our decisions to go against God. We're not immune from it. We can't claim, uh, no, I've never done that. Each and every one of us has done it. We walk away from God. We step out of alignment with him. We rebel against him. We do our own thing. And in doing so, we add to the curse uh, and to the, the ramifications of sin on the earth. It affects all of us. There's no escaping it. The good news is that God didn't leave us in our sin and suffering. He moved to change things, to redeem things, to fix things. And we know that God sent his son Jesus to the earth to walk this earth. He lived a sinless life. He was put on trial, found guilty of things he did not do, falsely accused. As you know, he was sent to the cross his body was broken, his blood was shed, and as he hung on that cross, a very cruel way to die, as you know, he paid for the sin of the world. 
paid for it. It's been covered. It's been paid for. What an amazing, amazing thing that God did for us. And then Jesus went in the grave. And you know that we'll celebrate in a few months on Easter that he did not stay there. But Jesus rose from the dead, conquering once and for all sin and death. And with it, he brought hope to the human race, an opportunity to have life, to be born again, and to step out of death into life, and to live against the curse of sin and for the blessings of God. And so this is a beautiful hope that we have, right? It's a beautiful hope that we have. And each and every one of us has an opportunity to walk in it. But the truth is, in spite of what Jesus has done, in the midst of that, pain and suffering and struggle persist. And what we're going to look at today is the story of Job, one of the, 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 I think, the oldest book in the Bible, the most ancient writing written about a man who uh, struggled. It deals with the question that many ask in this world. Many people that I've run into that are not a believer in Jesus, don't believe the Bible, don't believe in God. Part of the reason is because they have this question, why do good people suffer? Why is there evil on the earth? And this question is dealt with in the oldest book in the Bible. The book of Job struggles through this problem that we see, this problem that we face as a human race. Seems unfair, seems unjust, and yet the book of Job deals with it. There's a purpose in suffering. There's productivity that God wants to bring about through struggle. And so today we want to look at that. Um, we want to look at that. There's some principles I think we can, we can draw from the book of Job, and that's what I want to do today. We're doing an overview of the book. We're going to move through it quickly. I want to encourage you to read through it. There's a lot of rich, rich information there, interaction between God and Job and his friends, and there's a lot there. I want to encourage you to take a look at it, and hopefully I can whet your appetite uh, to what is there for us. The first thing that I see in the book of Job, first principle regarding suffering is this. There is no magic formula to avoid suffering. No magic formula. Do you know from the most ancient times that we have records of human existence, we have stories of the religions that human beings created. Uh, oftentimes we call it kind of paganism, worshiping the elements, offering sacrifices to the God of, uh, of storm or wind or sun. And the attempt there was to control nature, to keep calamity away. If I appease the gods uh, of, the, of weather, then my crops will get the weather they need. And I can control the outcome. And with it, I can avoid calamity, right? And so this was the attempt by ancient pagan religions, and it continues today. It does. It continues in modern day, modern times. This attempt to control the elements through uh, some means. Religious practices were a part of that. We've been trying to mitigate the effects of sin and the curse since the day that God placed Adam and Eve under it. We've been trying to get out from underneath the consequences. Let's solve that. Let's fix it. And so that's what uh, the human race has been trying to do, fix the problem. But the problem can be, cannot be fixed by us. There is no magic formula. You can be a, a great godly person walking with God, uh, worshiping him in authenticity and sincerity. Look at Job. Verse 1, it says this, There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He was a model, exemplary Christian. God even says it when Satan comes and accuses Job. God says, look at my man Job. <laughs> He's got it going on, man. He's the best. He's the top of the human race. 
He's, he's my example, my model. I mean, imagine if you're at the top of God's list. That's where you want to be, right? And some of us are tempted to think that if we're walking in the right place with God and we're doing all the right things, going to church, we're putting our tithe in, praying every day, that we're going to avoid calamity. We're going to avoid suffering. We use it that way. Play this game with God. Listen, that, that's not the truth. Because Job, as we've seen his story, enters into a deep season of suffering. There is no magic formula to avoid suffering. You can't pray some prayers. You can't carry around some, uh, you know, some icon or symbol, some, some magic thing hanging from your car, a rearview mirror. You know, it's going to keep you from getting a ticket or keep you from trouble. No, there's no magic formula. Job was a righteous man doing as best as he could what was right before God, and he was an overachiever. He did above and beyond. He offered sacrifices for his kids after they had a night of partying, just in case they might have cursed God. God allowed Job to suffer. Uh, Satan comes to God, the, king, the heavenly court, it's called, and Satan had access there, and he comes before God, and God says, uh, Satan, what have you been doing? And Satan says, I've been roaming around the earth looking at these human beings. I've been checking it out, watching them. And God says, have you seen my man Job? He's righteous and flawless. And Satan says, well, of course he is. You put a hedge of protection around him. Nothing bad ever happens to him. He's the richest man on earth. You bless everything he does. I mean, of course he worships you. Of course he lives for you. Now, sometimes we're tempted in reading this story to think that God fell for Satan's deceptive accusation. That somehow it was because God said, or because Satan challenged God regarding Job, that God gave in and said, well, I need to prove to Satan that Job is really legit. Okay, no. God didn't give in to Satan's temptation. Satan's accusations about Job had nothing to do with what God allowed Job to go through. I need you to know that because sometimes we think that Satan can attack us as Christians, that he comes after us, that he brings calamity into our lives. What we see from the book of Job is that God is sovereignly in control, and Satan is only allowed to do something because God lets him. That's important. It's important for us to remember and understand. First, when Satan said, yeah, um, you've blessed Job in every way. Of course he worships you. God said, okay, you can take his possessions. And so in one day, Job's children were taken. Job's livestock, of which he had the most on the planet, were taken. His crops were destroyed or stolen. He lost every single thing that he had. You've been through some tough times. You've had some bad years. You've had some difficult things happen. Um, but what's happened to Job is exceptional, right? Not many people that walk this earth can relate to the amount of loss he experienced in a moment, in a day. Job handled this the correct way. He said, uh, God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job went through extreme loss and he answered correctly. He stood strong. Then Satan came again, made the accusation again, uh, God said, hey, have you seen my guy Job? Look, he, he stood up under the first test, under testing. He's still true to me, still worshiping me. 
And Satan said, well, yeah, that's because you haven't done anything to him yet. He just took his stuff. And so God said, fine, you can afflict him with a disease. You can bring pain to his body, but you can't kill him. Once again, I want you to notice that God is in charge of what's happening. He's in control. Don't ever be tempted to believe that Satan somehow has complete control and can do to you whatever he wants. No, God is in control if you belong to him. If you don't belong to God, then Satan has a great deal of power and control uh, oriented to your life. So you should be scared of that. But if you're walking with Jesus and you're in Christ, right, as Job was, then, uh, then he can only do what, Satan can only do what God allows him to do. But he struck his body and he had disease. Painful, painful boils covered his body. Job was in agony. Um, truly, truly painful to look at, to read the story of Job and to see what happened to him. Uh, many, uh, many ask, why do the righteous suffer? You know, C.S. Lewis was asked that one time, why do the righteous suffer? And uh, he said, why not? They're the only ones that can handle it. Oswald Chambers said this, suffering is the heritage of the bad, of the penitent or repentant, and of the Son of God. Each one ends in the cross. The bad thief is crucified. The repentant thief is crucified. And the Son of God is crucified. By these signs, we know the widespread heritage of suffering. Suffering truly affects each and every one of us. We deal with it. We go through it. We see it in the life of Job. There's no magic formula to avoid suffering. Next uh, principle I think we can draw from this story of Job is that it's okay to be real about the pain suffering brings. It's okay to be real about the pain that suffering brings. Job in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, when he finally speaks, he says this. At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, he said this, Let the day of my birth be erased, and the night I was conceived. Let the day be turned into darkness. Let the lost even, uh, and, and excuse me, let it be lost even to God on high, and let no light shine on it. Job's very real. I wish I'd never been born. Contraception should have been used. On the night of my conception, I should not exist. Now listen, that's some deep pain. That's some deep pain. God, uh, Job goes on uh, to, in length, talk about the, the deep, deep pain and suffering he's going through. I want to tell you that what I see from Job's story is, you know, God doesn't rebuke him for that. He expresses honestly what he's feeling. Sometimes we're tempted to go through life at a very shallow level and troubles happen and pains happen and we lose people and we lose stuff and we go, that's ah, no big deal. That's not bothering me. Meanwhile, we knock down a few drinks and we're able to just ignore it, move on, and we just keep moving, man, just keep moving. And we stay at a very shallow level in life. And I've see, I see people that are very old that have done that their whole lives. And they're carrying a bunch of baggage, a bunch of pain they're not willing to acknowledge. And it shows all over them. You can see it on their face. But they've just ignored it. Just flown. Oh, just keep moving. I'm all right. I'm going to pull up. My, you know, I can do it. And they're just fine, man. Not dealing with it. Listen, Job's honest. I like an honest person. <laughs> it's truthful. Job goes, look, this hurts. I'm in pain here. I'm suffering here. Look, it's okay to be honest. You're not going to get to the place that God wants to take you if you're not honest about the pain you're experiencing. You try to ignore it, blow over it, act like it's not happening, no big deal, you're not going to grow. You know that uh, maturity only comes through pain. 
Maturity only comes through pain. You know, God wants to grow you up. <laughs> he wants to grow you up. And listen, I've got areas in my life where I'm still a teenager. You know what I mean? We, we all have some of those areas. But God's trying to grow us. When we go through suffering and we, we dig into it, we, we allow it to happen. We allow ourselves to experience it and to suffer and to know it and be conscious of it. And yes, we're going to complain about it and whine about it and talk about it. This is when we can move. This is when things can happen in us. One of the things that Job has is a couple friends come to visit him. And three friends, and they, they love Job. They come with the best of intentions. They, they see him from a distance, disfigured, can't recognize him. They start to just mourn with him. They come up, sit by him, and sit silently for days. And this was the best job that his friends did. <laughs> After this, they kind of go off the rails. But they started off right. You know, I've learned uh, really from watching my wife help people through times of suffering that oftentimes the best thing to do is to sit down and shut up and just be there. That's real help. Uh, my problem is that I want to fix everything. I want to help. I want to solve problems, right? So I'm going to go, what's your problem? Let me help you fix it. And you know, when you're suffering and you're going through pain, that's not helpful. And, uh, and I've had to learn that. Don't come by that naturally. But I want to encourage you. Job's friends come and just sit there quietly, and that's good. That's helpful. Ministry of presence, it's called. Just be in there. Listen, I'm with you. I love you. I know this is hard. I don't have any words. I don't have anything to say. I'm not going to help you. But then Job's friends start to talk, and they start to dig in, and they start to say, Job, the reason you're suffering is because obviously there's some sin in your life. <laughs> you need to repent of that, and the troubles will go away. You know how that happens. If you've gone through any kind of suffering, you've had some Christian tell you, well, there's sin in the camp. I mean, that's what happens. You're under some kind of judgment from God. And can I just tell you, ignorant. That's ignorant. That's not the truth. There's a lot of suffering happens in this life. Yes, some of it is a consequence of sin. Yes, we make bad choices and we uh, reap the benefits of those, which is bad. But there's suffering like Job's going through. There's calamity that comes on us has nothing to do with that. It's not as though God, I think that idea comes from the idea that God is up there literally waiting for us to step out of line and he's going to jab us. He's just waiting for us. Mammals, just watch that. You know what I mean? That, there's people who think that's what he's doing. That's not what the scriptures teach us. Calamity and come on you because God's waiting to, to just pound you. No, God loves his, his children. He loves his creation. He's not some kind of angry dad up there waiting for us to step out of line. This isn't the truth about God. So, so be careful when you're counseling people, when you're encouraging them through a time of suffering. Don't, don't say this, right? Job had to deal with it. Fortunately, Job was strong enough to defend himself. And he did it over and over and over again. His friends, he had three friends. They went through it. One did it, the next one did it, the next one did it. He defended himself, he defended himself. He said, no, listen, <laughs> I haven't done some great sin. It's okay to be real about the pain suffering brings. Job tries to express his pain to his friends, and they did not understand. Can I tell you that... Um, when you go through pain and suffering, it might be difficult to find somebody that understands, that really is willing to listen, not place a judgment on you and say, well, you, you know, but to go, hey, uh, uh, just to listen and be there and encourage you. You know, a lot of times when we're going through a difficult time, what we need is a boost. 
not somebody to knock us down, you know. Uh, if, if I needed that, you know, correction, uh, you know, just not very helpful. So um, it, it can be tough to find somebody that understands, that's, that's really in it with you, that gets what you're going through. It's not to say that your suffering is uh, exclusive to you, that you're the only one that suffers this way. No, your suffering is common, right? We're, in a, we're part of the human race, and we go through the same things. And so there's a million people that have suffered like you, probably the exact same way. So, so that's not the case. It's not that there isn't anyone that could. It just can be tough to find somebody. Can I encourage you? Job began to uh, pour out his feelings, his emotions, his thoughts. He poured them out. Can I tell you that there's healing in that? It's an important part of dealing with pain and suffering. Can I just urge you not to bottle it up inside, try to live with it, contain it. That's like trying to bottle up, you know, dynamite and hoping that it's not going to blow up and destroy something. If you, if you bottle that stuff up, and we're proud Midwestern folks, Western folks, we're independent, we don't, we don't tell everybody about our problems, you know, we're fine, I'm good, you know. No, you're a human being. You're walking through this life and we all experience pain and suffering. And you're just, you're just not going to get the healing in it that you need. Okay, so share it. Find somebody that you can share, that you can trust. Don't give up the pursuit of that. It's important for your healing. It's important for you to just get out that pain. There's going to be an explosion, okay? Uh, explosions can be productive or they can be destructive. Don't allow what you're going through to destroy you. But allow that to come out. Allow it to come out in a healthy way. We need to uh, pray for, in the midst of it, a breakthrough. That God would give relief from the pain we're in. But, but Job is just honest about it. He complains to God. He whines. His friends say, Job, quit complaining. Come on, man, you sound like a little girl. You know what I mean? Stop, Job. Uh, no, Job said, I'm not. Sorry to the little girl. No offense to the little girl. Could be a little boy too. I whined as a little boy. That's just what comes out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Hey, listen, uh, don't whine. You know, no. Job's friends, quit whining. Job said, no, man, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It's real. And he just continues to talk and to say what's going on, what he's feeling and, and what he's experiencing. He says it to God. You know, my dad was a pastor for many years and I remember him saying at one point this, that um, you're angry. Part of the, the seven stages, I think it is, of, um, of uh, um, mourning or going through uh, difficulty, seven stages of grieving, involves anger. Anger is one of the emotions you're going to run up against. You're going to be angry that this happened, right? A lot of times we lose a loved one uh, prematurely early, and we're angry. Why did you leave me? Man, there's some anger in it. God, why did you take him? Listen, my dad used to say this. Uh, get angry at God. <laughs> Tell him how angry you are. I've listen. I don't cuss, but I've cussed God out, okay? I've let him have it about things that are going on, things I've experienced, things I'm going through. Can I tell you, God has big shoulders. That's what my dad said. God has big shoulders. He can handle your anger. He can handle you getting angry at him. What's bad and what scares me and what I start to worry about people is when they do this. Instead of yelling and getting angry at God, they back out and they stop talking to God. Stop interacting with him. Then I get real concerned as a pastor. Look, you can, God can handle it. He's not going to zap you with lightning because you got angry at him. 
man, I've got to get rid of this zapping with lightning thing. I'm saying a lot this morning, so I figure somebody must be thinking that out here because I didn't plan to say that, but it's a common thought. It's a common thought. Um, once again, Job's friends said that the reason for his suffering was his sin. And uh, again, not very helpful. Not very helpful in Job, Job recovering. And again, he fought it. He stood up to them. He said, no. Um, next principle that I think is a part of suffering is that suffering can cause you to question God's character. It can cause you to question who God is. In Job chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, Job said this, I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you're bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the work of your own hands, while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Job goes, look, God, I see it. There's the neighbor across the fence that you're blessing, and that's an evil guy. I know what he's done. Do you not know what he's done? But you're blessing him. Everything's going great for him. He's happy. He's smiling. <laughs> Life's wonderful. He's got all the stuff he wants. You're doing that while you're beating me up, and I'm trying to live for you. If you've never thought that, you haven't gone through any suffering. You haven't tried to live for God because these are the things that come up. This is what we think. This is what we struggle through. God, what's going on? We question who God is. Do you really love me? Are you really good, God? Are you really all-powerful? <laughs> if you were, then you could stop this. We go through this stuff. Job defended his integrity. Job wanted to take his case before God. He said, I want to get into the heavenly court. I wish just for a minute I could show up there and present my case to God. And he goes, now I know I could never get in there because God doesn't let humans in there. But if I could, <laughs> I would show him, I would, I would make my case and prove that I'm right. Look, man, we question uh, what God's doing, what he's about. Job's... Um, his issues with this, his issues with God are real. And once again, I want to encourage you. Um, this, this is part of going through suffering. You can avoid this. You can act like you don't care. Everything's fine. But uh, until you go through this and dig deep and wrestle with who God is, you're not going to grow and mature. You're not going to get to the place God wants you to be. Job 13, 23, tell me, Job says, what have I done wrong? Show me my rebellion and my sin. Once again, talking to God. Show, show me what I've done to deserve this. The next principle, which is super, super important. This is where we start to move into the, what we can do productively through a time of suffering. Let God pull you closer to himself through suffering. There is a depth to your relationship with God that you will only experience as you walk through suffering with him. There is a depth. There's a richness. There's a, a thickness <laughs> to who you are, your character, your maturity, how you understand life, how you're able to navigate life, this comes through suffering and pain. You will not get there without walking through the tough time. Let it happen. Embrace it. God, I want this experience with you. I want to go deeper with you. I want to know you more intimately. Let God pull you closer. God responds to Job 
Job is accusing God. He's challenging God. He's coming up. God, you're not fair. You don't know what you're doing. I'm not. Uh, why are you doing this? All this stuff. Job brings his case. The beautiful thing in this book, one of the most beautiful things, is when God comes to Job and talks to him. God doesn't ignore you in your suffering. He's not ignoring you. He'll let you beat the air and yell at him. And, but he's coming. He's going to come and meet with you. He's going to come and talk to you. He's going to show you things that you need to see. And before I read this, I just want to tell you, God is not soft with Job. He doesn't take the nice, nice patsy approach. He's direct. He's clear. He's honest. He sets the relationship. But it is exactly what Job needed to hear. It's exactly what Job needed to hear. God's going to speak to you exactly the way you need to be spoke to. may not be the exact same way God spoke to Job. I don't want to be talked to like God talked to Job. No. Like, I'll learn easy. I'm going to, let me, let me get, I'm, I'm going to get down easy, God. You know, I get it. Don't, don't yell at me. This is what God says to Job. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man. Because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. God said, Job, all right, you're bringing your accusations, you're questioning my character, you're challenging who I am. You must think you're on the same plane as me. You must think we're equals. <laughs> I need to remind you, Job, that you're not on the same plane as me. I got some questions for you. If you're going to bring a challenge to me, I got some questions you need to answer. How was the earth made? Where were you when this thing was created? I got this Leviathan, Job, this massive beast. He's got no enemies. He breathes fire out of his mouth, right? Did you put him together? Tell me, Job, how did he get invented and created? Oh, this is so loving. <laughs> so loving. So hard, but so loving. Because God's saying to Job, listen, buddy, my child, my creation, I love you. I know you're upset. But you're not on the same plane as me. I'm God. I'm God. I put this thing together. I made you. I'm in charge. I'm in control. And you're not. And until you can come to a place of humility and submission and come under the fact that I am God and you're not God, and you quit thinking that you're on the same plane as me, and you can figure this out, until you come to that place, we don't have an intimate relationship. We don't know each other. You don't know me like I want you to know me. And so God pressed in to Job. He pushed him to understand and be reminded of this relationship. Job's response, just beautiful in Job chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Well, God starts off, then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Hmm. Then Job replied to the Lord, I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I'll cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I've got nothing more to say. Yeah, Job. Shut it. 
You're whining and complaining. You got this figured out. You're so amazing. You're, you're as smart as I am. <laughs> Just beautiful. Guys, this is such a beautiful picture of what God wants to bring us through. He wants to bring us to this place of intimacy with him, understanding who he is, understanding that he's God. Can, can you understand this, that there is so much peace and comfort in this life, knowing that you are God's creation and that he is God. There's a place that you can walk through this life that truly is a place of peace. Instead of striving and trying to do things that you can't do, controlling things that you can't control, which is what we do when we think, like Job, that we're on equal plane with God. Well, I can control my life. I can make things happen. I can get it done. It's my response. We take on all that stuff. We walk in turmoil and anxiety and stress and anger. And God wants to bring us a place of quit. Let it go. Yeah, you're going through suffering. You lost everything. Yeah, I'm in control. You belong to me. And God says, just rest in me, man. Let me do this. Let me do what I can do. And this is the place God wants to bring us. It's the place he worked to bring Job. Job had to give up. He had to cry uncle. He had to get on his knees. He had to acknowledge. Notice some important aspects of Job's relationship with God. God did not ignore Job, but he came to him. God did not justify himself to Job. God did not explain himself to Job. He's God. He's in charge. He's sovereign. He's above all. He's in complete control. He's the one and only God. God showed Job the difference between himself and Job, right? He set that straight. I think when this happened, Job was able to understand, like he had never understood before, who God was. There was an intimacy. Last thing is this that I got for you today is embrace the refining that suffering brings. Embrace the refining. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says this, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how clearly or how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There's a refining process we can go through through suffering. We can prove that our love for God is real. It's not just based on the things he does for us. We can stand strong and we can, we can pull into him. And we say, God, I love you, I love you, not because of you bless me, not because you've given me all uh, these good things, but because of who you are. I just love you, God. I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. We can prove that. We can maintain the integrity of that love. You know, again, if you're married, you've walked through six months, a year, you've gone through some struggles, that those struggles bring us closer together. Now, struggles can also blow up our relationships, and they do at times if they're handled the wrong way. And we can't control the other person. We don't have control over how someone else handles a difficulty. But we can choose to stand strong. We can choose to prove that our love is true. Testing has a purpose, and only God knows what that purpose is. I'm telling you what I think his purpose is with Job's suffering, but I don't know what it is for you. You may not be able to figure out what it is. You may walk through it and look back, and sometimes looking in the rear view, we can see things more clearly. Sometimes we don't understand. It can go, take years not understanding. God, I don't understand. Allow your pride to be broken down through the pain. Job's pride was broken down. 
James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Through his suffering, Job discovered a deeper love for God. He understood God's power. He understood who God was. He found comfort in walking with God. Can I tell you that God restored Job? There was a breakthrough. The suffering didn't last forever. Though it was intense and it took everything Job had, God gave back to Job twice what he took from him. God restored him. There was a breakthrough. There was a lifting. There was, the sun came up again and Job's body healed and his possessions returned. He built his business again. Uh, you know, goodness was brought back into his life. But I can guarantee you this, Job was a different man. He walked through the rest of his life with a different perspective on God, a different faith, a depth to his character that he did not have before. You know, I've gone through a time of pain and struggle, uh, some deep, deep suffering for me, um, and that involves some things. I want to give you a little, uh, some help with that just through my own um, experience with this. It may not apply to everybody because our issues are different and the struggles we go through are different, but I can speak to this one because it's what I've been through. But I found myself at a place where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, and I had no motivation or energy, and I was having panic attacks, something that uh, I just was not familiar with. Never had anything like that happen in my life. Didn't know how to navigate it. Didn't know what was going on. It was confusing. It was disorienting. It was humbling. It was humbling. And so I uh, didn't really want to look for help because I'm a strong, independent man. I can handle this uh, somehow, but I couldn't. And so, uh, you know, my wife uh, got, got in my grill and said, you need to get some help, buddy. And so uh, I went to my doctor, step one, and he prescribed me some medication. Now, some people think there's a little stigma oriented with that. But can I just tell you that, in my opinion, um, our bodies break down, need some help. Our minds can break down, need some help. And uh, I can tell you it helped me. Didn't have to take it for very long, but it helped me. Made a big difference. Got me out of the hole I was in so I could get, get up and think about something and start to be productive. Step two is I began to train for a half marathon. This was the last thing that I wanted to do as a depressed, discouraged guy. Get up in the morning, go run 10 miles, you know? No, but I knew I needed to do something. So I found a friend, I got some accountability. I got up in the morning, went and ran. Now, not all of us can do that through our suffering. I know that, but our physical exercise impacts our minds and our emotions. We're holistic beings, right? These things are connected. So exercise can make a big impact. I helped counsel a 65-year-old man that came to Christ in my church, got to lead him to the Lord. He was struggling with the same things I had. One of the things I did was took him out. We bought a pair of shoes, tennis shoes, and we got him a little puppy, and he had to get up every morning and go for a walk. And it helped, right? It helped. So physical exercise is a part of this. Step three is I controlled the inputs. These are not in particular order, okay? Just three, four things I did. But uh, I controlled the inputs into my mind. I listened to worship music. I listened to Jesus-oriented stuff. I read the scriptures, right, which you're supposed to be doing every, every day anyway. But I controlled it, eliminated other things. Keep the other inputs out because my mind is not in the right place. I need to focus in on the truth. I need to hear from God. And so I controlled the inputs. Fourth thing is I adjusted my diet, what I was eating, uh, making sure that it was healthy, that it was good that was going to feed my body in a good way. These things all made a difference. I did this in a disciplined way over about a year. And slowly, I came out of the hole. And I slowly, I got um, back to good health. There is a way out. 
There's a way out. Can I give you uh, just some hope? You might feel like you're there right now. Not sure if you can ever. Look, for a while there, I thought I'm never going to be happy again. I'm never going to feel joy. I believe that. Listen, I feel joy. <laughs> I can smile and laugh. Things are good. I can, I can feel the flavor of life. Uh, it can return. There's hope for you. But don't stop. Don't sit and do nothing. Get some help, right? Get, get, a, get a, a process, a step, you know, things that you can do and begin to work it. It's not about changing how you feel in a moment. It's about doing the right things so that over time, change can happen. Listen, uh, Roger Staubach, who was a quarterback in the NFL when I was a kid, he played for the Dallas Cowboys. He was a Christian man. I remember reading a book about him, a little comic book when I was a kid. Roger Staubach was asked, hey, you play professional football. How do you play when you're injured? How do you play through when, you're, when, you're, uh, when you got an injury? This is professional football. How do you do it? And he said something really important. He said, if you're not playing hurt, you're not playing football. Paul, the Apostle Paul, expresses a similar truth. He says this, if you're not suffering for the king, it's because you're not truly serving the king. Walking with Jesus does not mean we won't experience suffering. In fact, sometimes we'll experience more because we're following him, because we're walking with him, because we're living for him. Do you know there are people that don't like you because you're a Christian? <laughs> they don't like what you stand for. They don't like who, how you live. And they're going to be opposition. Yeah, it's part of life. Listen, it's part of following Jesus. The, the good news is, yes, we're going to play hurt. I, I told one of my mentors after going through what I went through, I said, listen, I feel like I'm going to walk with a limp the rest of my life. I'm going to lead with a limp. If I get to do anything productive, it's just I'm not the same. He said, listen, that's fine. It's fine. Just stay in the game. Keep moving. Keep, keep going forward. Uh, playing injured is part of it. Trust in Jesus. Serving him. You're going to play injured. But the good news is we're moving towards a day where we'll be with him and where everything that's wrong will be made right and where the suffering will cease and we'll experience him for all eternity. So let's keep that in our hearts and minds. Let's remember that he has overcome the world. He has gained victory, right? We don't have to fear the enemy, fear the pain and struggle in life because we can get through it. And even when it's hard, even when it, it hurts, there's a purpose in it God's trying to grow us in. God, thank you for today. Thank you for walking with us through our lives. Thank you for calling us to follow you. Thank you for giving us uh, understanding through the life of Job so many thousands of years ago, how to walk through a time of suffering, how to trust in you, how to walk with you, how to express the hurt and pain, just how to navigate it. God, I pray that you would continue to grow us up in you. Help us to learn what you want us to learn. Help us to um, develop the character you want us to develop. God, just teach us and grow us. Make us people, men and women, who are on fire for you, who are strong in you, have been developed, war-tested, battle-tested, and we can, we can continue to pray for and fight for the breakthroughs in this world. God, use us to make a difference for your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.